100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, this is a bonus episode, so this is actually an episode that I was a guest on with Aaron Blasey from the Fall Podcast, and I just thought that the conversation was really good of a kind of a mixture of him giving his perspective from looking at things from a farm country standpoint and me looking at it from the big woods. And so a lot of things that were timely with this time of year. So I decided to kind of re-release it as a, as a bonus episode here uh, for all of you to go out on this Friday and uh, to be able to check it out. But Aaron's podcast, the fall podcast is, is a really good one and, and uh, has just some awesome guests. I like listening to that and a little bit of a different perspective than, than the, the big wood style that, you know, that I'm into and that I do. And I like learning from people in different avenues there. So definitely go over and check that out. But we're going to be covering on this one, keeping your head in the game throughout the season, wind information, you know, between mountains and flat country, and also how deer are using that micro terrain features, October scrapes, weather fronts, gun season, mobile versus staying put and more. And also, I just wanted to say, so next week, I'll have a pretty sweet episode that I just recorded last night with Johnny Stewart, my dad, and my cousin Mason. I think that one's going to be phenomenal. It's two hours long. It's a long one, but it's all about late October and then into the rut. I think that a lot of good, valuable information there. And then follow that up with another long episode that I have with Zach Farenbaugh, just two really good ones who knows i might try to split them up to to make it a little bit more digestible there but i will uh take a look at it and uh we'll go from there but anyways guys it's it's um this weekend it's at least in pennsylvania it's a little bit warmer here i have some other obligations i might hunt a little bit but not very much and then uh but i'm ready to to kick it off next week with really starting to to fine-tune this sign is starting to pop up pretty good here some younger bucks are working the scrapes in daylight i think i think towards the end of next week depending on how the weather is looking is going to be or actually probably the middle of next week is going to be spot on so looking forward to to getting the hunt that with that being said i hope everyone has some good luck out there in the woods and we will talk to you next week all right, welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast. And today I've got a guest on that uh, I don't. It, I've totally dropped the ball on this, Bo. I I I apologize. I've you and I kind of run in similar circles, and I don't know how we haven't crossed paths or how I haven't reached out to you or anything like that until now. But Mr. Bo Martonic from East Meets West Podcast is on. Bo, thanks for thanks for joining me tonight, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's it's funny because. I've heard I've heard your name and I've seen your stuff. I've listened to your podcast now for quite a while, and then we have, like you said, we have a lot of similar friends uh, that go back and forth, and your name keeps getting brought up. And <laughs> and then when you had reached out to me there, and we've messaged back and forth a little bit, and and I was like, yeah, that's I'm I'm excited to to get to to meet you over the phone here and and uh, talk some deer. Heck yeah, man! And and like I said before. Um, before we hit record, I've got like just a litany of questions, but you know, we're in the, the first part of October here and you know, this is, I've been, I don't know, I've got a thing about me. It's like, I get so tunnel vision and it, this is something I've been talking about the last couple podcasts I've done, but it's something I think is a big problem that it can be a big problem 
you know, when you're out of season, you, you think clearly, you think like through every detail, like you're, you're on top of things. And then for me, when I get into season, it's like, everything's a rush. Everything's go, 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 go. And it's tunnel vision. Do you get that at all? Yeah. I, oh my gosh. Yeah, I do. And the problem, and and I feel like as soon as the season opens and I try hard to not be this way, but it, it seems to happen every year. I almost get like, as much as I enjoy it, I also get this like stress when I have a tag in my pocket, Yes, you know, like you, you feel like you're running out of time when you don't, when you still have plenty of time or, you know, like for example, like most of the deer that, that, that I've killed over the years have been during the rut, but yet, you know, end of October, I have a couple, you know, sets that don't turn out well, I start stressing and I'm like, why am I doing that? You know, it's, it's one of those right. things that you have to constantly remind yourself. And I, I, I definitely don't, um, don't act like I have that all figured out for sure. But it, uh, it's, it's something that I try to, I try to talk to myself about a little bit is trying to just, you know, settle down and, and let, let the season roll and also not get, yeah, to tunnel down certain paths, you know, and, and remember that, you know, more than you think you do at that point, even when things aren't working out. Right. You know, and I, I relate it to like sports, you know, cause I was a big sports guy growing up and everything. And, you know, when you, when you get into a tense situation or something like that, like you start stressing and you start pressing a little bit, it's like, okay, you're a little tense. Like I, I relate it to that. And it's like, how did I combat that back then? I mean, I did it even in college when I played baseball for a little bit is like you get in situations, you're down 0-2 in the count or whatever, and you start pressing and you might not shorten up and just try to put the ball in play. You know what I mean? It's just like one of those things. It's like, how did I combat that then and slow the moment down and just keep the list of details like so clear like it's kind of hazy like almost like a guy that needs glasses and it's just a little blurry you know what i mean like yep. is that am i weird for saying that no 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 I, I i totally get you and one of the things that i think has helped me a little bit with this is when i'm and and it started actually back on an, an elk hunt i did in 2019 i was like okay every morning when you wake up treat it as if this is your only hunt like this is the, you know, your, your only day you focus on that day, you do the things you, you know, you make sure your access is on point. You're, you know, you're hunting it as if it's one day, not looking at it because sometimes if you look at it, say you have a week off to be able to hunt, you look at it like, Oh, I have all this time or, you know, or as you're going down a, um, you know, a, a bad path and you're getting towards the end of it and you, you feel like you have to make rush decisions or, you know, force things when, if you like stick with the plan and, and work your way towards it and just have that mindset of like, okay, just do everything the way that you did on day one, on day 30 and, and just continue down that path and you, and you'll eventually have things work out your way. Yeah. I like that. I like, you know, just kind of treating it as your last at bat, if you will. You know what I mean? Cause it literally could be, it literally could be, you know, and it's just, I don't know, it, it like right now, you know, I glass every night right now and just about every morning because I, I can right now and we're leading up to the season. So, you know, as we're recording this, our, you know, October 1st hasn't happened yet. It's in a couple of days, but you know, I'm glad. And even when I get into season, I'm glassing every morning and every night that I can, if I'm not hunting, I'm, I'm actually glassing more than I'm hunting, to be honest with you. But 
you know, something I'm really seeing right now and something I want to get into you with you a little bit. And I'm, you know, I hunt big woods on a piece here in Michigan, but then I also hunt a lot of ag ground, um, a lot of wooded fence rows, little, little plots of woods, uh, flatter and a pancake kind of thing. And, you know, something that I see very specifically in ag country is very wind specific deer. So when I'm glassing at night, like Northwest winds, I know right now, and and they're still in that kind of that pattern end of September right now, I get it. But it's even something I do see in the first couple weeks of October is like wind specific deer, Northwest wind. I know that I'm going to see a shooter buck glassing on you know, ag country piece of ground that I can hunt. I, I know for a fact, I mean, tonight was the same, same thing. I saw a shooter buck. He came out at six 30, um, did his thing, but then it's switching to an East wind in two days. And I know I'm not going to hardly ever see even a doe, a deer out. So, you know, it's just one of those things that like, I try to think of those details when I'm in season as well, you know, but it's just like, <laughs> There's so many things, man. And us as hunters just overthink everything. Um, and just taking a step back and be like, oh, you're good is, is one of those things I need to learn more, I think. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and w- before I, I comment on that, I wanted to just touch on one more thing on the, the last thing we were talked about. So like last year, so I had never up until last year, I'd never killed a deer on opening day. But, you know, the conditions were really good. We had a 20-degree temperature drop and had a wind that this buck that I was focusing on, I knew he liked to use in the late season prior to that. But in like in the big woods, at least where I'm at, it doesn't the, – the deer aren't on patterns as far as, like, um, you know, you know, every three days this buck's going to come through there or anything like that. It's It's a little bit – it's a little bit more sporadic, but I have noticed that they do – like certain winds and certain weather conditions and also times of year. So I went off this like historical data, but I planned it from the, this, you know, even with the idea that I'd never had success on opening day before I I had to put that in my mind, like, okay, treat it as if, you know, this is as high of a opportunity type hunt like the rut and, you know, treat it that way. And, and, you know, as I'm hiking in that morning and I had, I think it was just over, I don't know, it was right around two miles, a little over into my, my tree. And I, it wasn't that far if I came from a different direction, but that's the way I needed to come for access and use the, the, the creek bottom and, and do all these things, keep the thermals right. And just like pay attention to those details. And it ended up working out for me of shooting that buck that morning. But it, it just was like a really good reminder to me that, you know, even if, you know, having confidence in your spots, one thing and, and, and the right conditions, but, but also like no no matter what treating it as if you think you're going to have that opportunity. And that's just something I wanted to, as as we were talking about those other things and, and I'm actually having to talk with myself about that now, as I'm like in a little bit of a different position this year, I won't be in Pennsylvania for the opener. And I, (laughs) and I've also, I've been out West for the last, month. So I haven't, I haven't spent time. I, I feel way behind. Let's put it that way. Right. And uh, yep. I feel really behind and it's like, okay, no, just chill out. All right. Your season's going to start a little bit later. It's going to be different conditions. Go off those, that, that previous stuff that you know already or think, you know, and, and work your way towards that. But as, as far as like back to your other, you know, comments, when you're talking about like when, as far as like, getting caught up in the, in the season with like specific winds and everything. Like I, I know I have this where like, there's a, 
uh, a particular spot that's really good for east winds and it's dynamite when it's on east winds and i always have this like when we don't get an east wind for a while because it's not a you know it's not the predominant wind that we're getting and like conditions other conditions are right it makes me so it, i really want to get in there like i <laughs> i want to yeah. and it's like this and sometimes i do and it doesn't work out and i'm like you know i i, I could have probably had better opportunity trying something else but you just get like itchy to to get into that spot yeah now to go a little farther on that you say it's it's dynamite on an east wind now Break down what you mean by dynamite on that. Is that just like good deer sightings? Um, you've seen shooter bucks in there at that time. Like, you know, you're going to see a lot of deer. Like, what do you mean by it's it's dynamite? Yeah. So it's it's a, actually it's like a it's a western facing ridge. And there's like it's like a small kind of pinch where there's like a really steep side hill that goes down and there's a creek bottom below. And then there's a clear cut on the top. So it offers this like hundred i don't know 110 yard maybe at most like funnel in between there and the deer love using that but with that east wind it blows across the top of that open clear cut that they just cut about a year or two ago and then also and then also in the daytime the thermals are rolling up and it just creates that perfect like travel spot for bucks to go through um especially during like late october and into november it's it's just really good at that time of year that where they can you know some of those does will bed in those tops in that that clear cut that the loggers left there and they're able to scent check that and then also scent check down and below where down in that creek bottom there's some um uh, golden rods and everything where also some deer will bed so it's like just a really good uh kind of rut type area so that's why that's that's why i say it's dynamite okay so it's it's very rut specific yeah then very as well that one's very rut specific yeah there's not okay it's good. not really close to um any buck bedding it's not there's not a food source near there besides a little bit of browse but nothing that that ha i don't really focus on that any other time of year yeah, that was going to be my next question is like, you know, on more of a specific pattern maybe with deer, and this might be in the early part of October, um, you know, do you see, did you, or would you see a lot of bucks, you know, using that east wind? Are they cutting their nose with the wind or is it coming at their back? Because that's something that I always intrigues me as well. You know what I mean? Is like deer coming, I've got a spot where, you know, deer will come out of their bed and use a transition area where I've got a mock scrape that I set back in the spring, like a potinger scrape kind of deal. But, you know, I'm in between, you know, bedding. I'm close to bedding. I'm about 80 to 90 yards off the bed. But on an east wind, the deer are coming from the east, going west to the destination food. And, man, I'll tell you what, they'll get out of their bed like tonight it was 6 30 you know i mean there's a lot of daylight still left here comes a group of like eight does and like four bucks nothing shooter wise but um but that back is right at their butt as they're going into the destination food um as they're coming through the camera and i'm like man that just you know but i do have to take things into consideration is like they're not, they haven't been bumped yet you know they're very very you know low pressure deer right now so what's going to happen when some when the hunters get in and, and kind of start 
walking around and pushing things around. Do you ever see anything with like that and, and, you know, specific winds, if they're deer always cutting their nose or the winds always cutting their nose or how, how do you see that trend? So I've, I've seen a mixture of it and I will say that probably 70% seem to have the, the wind somewhat in their favors are going, but there's another 30% that, that they're, that I think that they're moving more based off of the cover that they have available than, than the wind. And I've seen that with bedding too. I've seen that where they'll bed with the wind, not even coming across their back. Uh, but they have better cover on that side of the hill. So like okay. that's, that's something that, that it's very location specific. And also like, you know, especially with the, the winds and the, and the Appalachian mountains and stuff like it, the, the predominant wind that, you know, you see, um, you know, what the weather's predicting isn't always going to do that. So it, it really depends on, it's, it's a lot of thermal based stuff. And then also just like, depending on how the flow of the landscape goes, it might cut, say there's a, a Northwest wind, but the, but the way that the, the, the mountain is and say there's a little draw there or anything, it might, I'm, I'm making movements with my hands that nobody can see, but basically, <laughs> but that, that wind will follow some of that train and it might like cut off to the side and turn to a straight West wind or Southwest or, you know, or Northeast, depending on how that's flowing through there. Um, so that's why like a lot, a lot of those times, like when I have cameras and I'll like, when I have cameras up, I'll either, which I actually learned this from Troy was putting like a windicator on my scrapes. I don't do that for all of them. I it's more, more so cause I forget, but if I can hang like a ribbon or something lightweight, that's able to, you know, flow in a different direction that I can see on video mode and then compare that back to what the weather's supposed to be. And it gives me a little bit of an idea, or if I'm at that location, I'll drop milkweed and and then put it in my notes so put it in the the pin when i'm say i'm marking a pin in spartan forge i'll write it in the notes and i'll i'll put it in there of okay this is what the wind was doing this is what the wind was calling for and i'll just like have that in my mind as i'm as i'm making these plans and this is where you when you talked about where you can overanalyze things this this can be one of those situations so you got to be careful oh, yeah. with it <laughs> and yeah i will I, say that. i totally get that yeah, and that's a great idea about the ribbon too because but you know, I'm I'm trying to picture what you have. I mean, you're hunting in mountains just like Troy is basically. And you know, I'm trying to picture like I can actually look at where I'm hunting. Like I've got some topography change, but I'm talking like you know, slow gradual roller, maybe oak flats or something like that. And then majority of it's you basically could see your dog run away for 2 days. Um but <laughs> <laughs> but what I what I'm picturing with you is like you really have to probably get boots on the ground and go wind map these things because you know me like and trying to compare and contrast here I can look at windy or one weather underground or something like that and see that it's a northwest wind I know majority like majority of the stands or locations I'm going to go into it's going to be a northwest wind like I'm almost positive there are you know a small percentage of times I get in there, the thermals might be doing a little something different. I got some swamp stuff that I'm, I hunt on the edge of the swamp. And I'll tell you what, the smallest of little puddles will, will make thermals just do dance. I, I just still can't understand it sometimes. But, 
you know, with you, I think a lot of boots on the ground and going in there and really actually wind mapping stuff is probably beneficial. Am I not correct there? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're spot on. Like that's, and even though it does, the wind will do some different things like, okay. So like in this, I, I spend, I spend so much time scouting in the spring. Like that's my main time when I'm out from late February, depending on how the snowpack is all the way through the end of April when even in the Turkey season, when uh green ups going on, but like, that's when I'm doing most of my wind mapping and you'll have a little bit of differentiation just because the foliage is different. Uh, but at the same time you get a pretty good idea. Um, rather okay. than having to, to go in during the season, you know, if I'm at a spot during the season, I'm always dropping milkweed, but like, I don't want to have to re go through, you know, all of these different areas during the season and drop milkweed and, and, and wind map it at that point. Um, so that's, that's one way that I do it. That gets me like, you know, say 75% of the way there is doing it in the spring and, and getting an idea how things flow. And, and that's why it definitely takes, it's, it's hard to go into an area for the first time and, 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 you know, you can be successful, but it's, you definitely have a lot, you have a lot more, uh, benefits to, to being able to, to hunt a, a specific location multiple years. And like, I, I look at, like, every time I look at an area, I look at it as a three-year plan. And when I go in and that's, and, you know, wind mapping is one of the big things. And I've learned to be able to do it e-scouting. And I think you can, you can do a lot of it that way, but you can't see, you know, okay, there's a, a mountain laurel patch here. That's pretty thick. That's, that can actually, you you know, change the wind direction a little bit there, or you can't see this small draw that's in there that, that, that might pull downward thermals or, or, and, and sometimes depending on the thickness of like some of the conifer trees, like hemlocks or pine and everything, it'll, it'll change the thermals from the standpoint of it'll, there's one area that I hunt that almost all the time, all day, it pulls downward thermals, no matter what the wind direction is. Cause it's, such heavy cover that it keeps it cooler under there and it pulls down. But then when you look at that for late season, when it's really cold outside, that actually acts as a thermal blanket and it causes the opposite effect and it'll pull the air upwards. So that, that's something that, that I've learned as well. So it's, it's very location specific on that, but yeah, you definitely, definitely need to spend some time in there and boots on the ground. That's, that's huge. What do you see as far as like this? This is where it would really mind screw me up is like, what, let's say you're going in there to scout like a certain location and it might be like a eight to 10 mile an hour wind, but then you're going to go hunt it back to hunt it. And let's say it's a 16 to 18 mile an hour wind or whatever. It, do you see a big difference in the wind speed and how it reacts in the hills? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That wind speed seems to take over just about everything like um you know okay so if you're thinking of like thermals say i don't even know what speed technically thermals would be moving up but very slow and it's coming right. up and then you have a wave coming from the other side at you know you know, a lot faster it just it hits that and it's just one it causes a lot of swirling high wind speed days are difficult to hunt and and varying terrain um but it also it just overpowers those thermals and, but when I'm like, say if I'm hunting a top, I'll pay way more attention to that predominant wind that's in the weather than it, than I would if, uh, if it was a, a more of a calm day. And I also, I, 
it, one of the things that, that I spent, I spent a lot of time hunting in the bottoms and, and that's a very unpopular opinion with people that hunt hill country because of swirling winds, but it's gotta be a mm-hmm. super calm day. I can't do that when it's, I can't do that when it's high winds because that really causes just a tornado effect down in there and, and you just never having your winds right. But yeah, winds, wind speeds, yeah. wind speeds really big. And, uh, I, I'm, it's not that I'm not going to go out on high, on high wind days, especially, you know, if it's a, um, you know, if it's, a, um, I still think it's a, a good chance to get out or I just have the opportunity to get out. It's just going to affect how I'm, how I'm going to set up. Okay. Does that, does, so, does that, does that change as much for like you and some flatter country? You know, it, it depends on obviously the location and, and where you're at flat country. No, it doesn't really change much, but it does depend on like you talked about the conifers. Like we have some pine trees and, and those thermal cover trees on the edge of some of our ag fields. And I've seen, I've seen thermals come from the ag field and you've got like 12 to 15 row of pines, then it hits some hardwoods. Like if I'm hunting in those hardwoods, like on the transition line, I will see the wind come in on a, on a more of like a, I I would say like a higher rate of, of speed with the wind. I'm thinking like 12 to 15 when it comes and hits those pines, it will literally pull down so hard in those pines. Like you said, like the, the, the cooler temps down in those pines, like it'll almost act as a wall. And I'm actually, the pines are not that big. I mean, they're, I say they're not that big, but they're, you know, 15, 18 feet tall, but you, I mean, they're not like giant pines, but it will pull and almost make a wall right there. And a lot of times you'll see like the hay or alfalfa out in the field, like swaying a lot. And then when it hits you, it's like nothing. Hmm. Is that it's it's so it's so weird, but it and when the first time I realized it, I'm like, this is like why? And at that point, I didn't really know a lot about thermals. I still don't know a lot about thermals. You know, I just I don't know if I try to learn every time. We, I there's so no. much. <laughs> and and you, honestly, there's stuff that like a guy like Dan Infall or yourself or Jake Bush or anybody will say, and I'll try to mimic that scenario. And go in there, and it might do something vastly different. And I don't be like, and I don't tell myself like, oh, they're wrong. It's just there's so many variables. There's so many variables yep. in that stuff, you know. Um, but that was just one thing that I've I've seen with like a higher wind, um, you know, up to that twelve to fifteen mile an hour or higher that it'll do. For some reason, it just sucks it down in like a vacuum. I I don't know if anybody else has seen that, but that's something that I do witness there. Um, and in an Oak Ridge, honestly, man, everything flows pretty true on the farms that I hunt. Um, you know, and it's getting a little more, di- I shouldn't say difficult, but different because our property, my main farm, um, it got logged like, I don't know, 50, I wouldn't say 50%, 40% of it got clear cut. Uh, this rate started COVID. So now it's all like regrowth popple and the deer are using the property way different. So it's almost like we're starting over. I'm starting over trying to figure it out. So 
And I will say, like, when you look at an aerial of our farm now, it's like, oh, where'd all the timber go that was in the middle of the farm? <laughs> so, you know, it's created a ton more edge, but it's created some difficulties as well as far as just trying to figure out where the deer are at and what they're doing. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%, and if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series, but they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Yep. No, so no, that that makes sense. And what, when you're talking about with the the conifers, so one thing I have noticed with that with the high wind speed is is what you're talking about with it, you know, cutting down. But that there's also some. Well, sometimes it'll like almost like create like this where it undertow effect and it comes back. But if it if it's coming from that direction and heading towards it, sometimes it will go down and it'll like swirl even just a little bit down below. And on those areas and those areas like there's there's two ways that, that I've found to get around either right before it like does that swirl thing like, you know, almost like just up just up above it, like right, you know, on the edge of the the pines where it would go down over the hill. Again, I apologize if people are struggling to picture this, but like, say you have like a hilltop that's, that's uh, say oaks or cherry or some sort of big, just big timber stuff. And then as soon as it cuts down off the side of the ridge, you have like the, the hemlock or some sort of conifer, you know, right on that edge can be good, but then you just get down over and it can cause that swirling effect. But then also another good spot in those high wind days is down towards that lower third, because by that point, you know, that, that wind's coming across the top of the mountain that has the, the, the side of the hill there to kind of block it. And you're not all the way in the bottom where it's, you know, rushing down and causing swirling, but you're in like a sweet spot. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's also an area that I've found to be, to, to be good, to be able to hunt on those high wind days. Yeah. And that is kind of the scenario other minus the conifers that's kind of the scenario i had with my ohio buck last year in the hills was i was on that like lower third um and i was on a micro bench where i mean you can't even really see it on a map it's you kind of got to wander over there like i was trying to do a, a, a map breakdown of it after i killed the deer to, to for youtube and i'm like I'm looking at the map and I'm like god I know I was right there but I'm like it doesn't really show it on the 
like the topo lines doesn't re- don't really show it. And I'm like, maybe I'm off a little bit. I'm like, no, I'm right there. And you know, it just made sense. Like, and I asked a couple guys, like, you know, cause I, I don't hunt a ton of like big hill country, like Ohio, PA, stuff like that. Like I'm relatively pretty new to like the big hill country. And I asked guys that were more in tune with it than I was. And they're like, yeah, those micros, like a lot of times those are the ones that won't show up on maps. And those are the ones that you want to be on. You know, those are the ones that, but you kind of got to treat them a little differently because in my scenario, it, it was out of an, it was a Northwest wind. And, and I was sitting on the Southeast side of this bench, this little micro bench or, you know, and the wind was coming across this bench and it was hitting me and it would hit me and it would turn and it would go back down straight north or um I'm sorry southwest so it was coming out of the northwest hitting me and then turning and going down northwest or uh, southwest I'm sorry so hopefully huh. you guys can picture that but the thermals were doing wicked things dude and this deer comes to 11 yards and when he when I finally got an arrow and I'm like I think he was picking me up of like, you know, I find it was one of those prototypical scenarios of like, Hey, you know, you want to be able to have a, an arrow in that deer when he hits your wind stream. Like it was right there, you know? Yeah, no, that's, I don't that's, that's really interesting. And, and again, that's why like wind and thermals are like always going to be as much as you think, you know, it's always going to be a mystery and it's very location specific. And that's, you, you know, it's just like, log that information, whether it's in your head or writing it down or in an app or whatever. And then, and, and try to see if that's, you know, if you can uh, duplicate that or replicate that in a different, a different location. And that's something that you learn. But for, for me, it's like, it's, it's a lot of just like kind of figuring it out on the go and making the best, you know, best guess assumptions based off of what you're seeing. And, and, and at some points too, like in, in where I'm hunting, it's still, it's, you're Sometimes I just have swirling winds and I don't have no idea why. And to me, I, it happens often and I don't, it's not like I necessarily know where the deer are coming from unless you're on like a spot. Like I was talking about that pinch earlier where mm-hmm. they're typically running North to South because they just, the way that the land lays out. But a lot of times they can come from many different directions. So I don't get out of the tree if, if it, I'm having swirling winds and, and change because I don't know exactly where they're going to come from. Um, right. You know, and that's it, 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 it. I guess when the only time that that would change a little bit is if you are hunting early October, like we're kind of in right now or where you know that say they're coming back to bed from a destination food source, or you think, you know, where the destination food source is, uh, in the evening and and they're heading that direction. And you think that, okay, maybe they're betting on this point or in this thicket on the side Hill or this bench or whatever. And you have these, you know, best guesses, then instead of a, a 360 window, they can come from that. You have it narrowed down to 180 degrees or 130 degrees or whatever that is. And that, that can kind of help a little bit with it. Oh yeah, dude. I'm the, I'm a culprit of like, if I get swirling winds and I'm, I'm hunting a certain spot, like, you know, like you said, where the deer, I don't think the deer are going to be coming from all over. I think they're going to be coming right here. And if I get a swirling wind, I'm out. It doesn't matter if I sat there for three hours and it starts swirling last light, like prime time, I will leave. Um, it's just one of those things. I don't know why, like other than 
in my head, I'm just so ingrained of like, hey man, I'm busting my ass this whole year to try to get one opportunity. And if I screw that up, like it, it could be, that could be the season right there. Like that's the mentality I have. I don't know. Are you the same way? Um, it's, it's different. I mean, it, it depends on the time of year, honestly, for, for me, like I, I rarely, I rarely am in a spot where I'm like, unless I'm hunting like a bed or anything, if that's the case, then, then that's, I, I would definitely do that. But for a lot of times I'll ride it out because I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure. And also that they're not on a, a sort of a pattern where like, I'm sure that they're betting in this location or they're going to this location or coming from this location. And, you know, like for example, when say if uh say if i'm like hunting a specific deer and many times i won't like i don't have a specific bed that i know that he's using sometimes i'll have a good idea that he might be using it you know 10 percent of the time and that's good um or but they they'll have an area you know like say it's just a clear cut that could be 30 some acres that he's he beds in different spots depending on what that wind's doing um but but also will move throughout the day and go to a different location so that that makes it a little bit difficult uh to to do that but at the and and the deer density is also super low we're not Mm -hmm. it's, it's getting better but it's pretty low so my odds of a swirling wind spooking a deer unless they're coming through right at that time is much lower than an area that has a higher density of deer um so that's that's also like a i guess a a caveat to throw in there is just that you know the scenarios that you and i are hunting in are a little bit different um for the most part so that 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 has a a a little bit of a different play with it like if i was hunting an area and i knew a, a deer was betting in this this location and i was having those swirling winds i'd get out like that that would be that would be you know at prime time like you were discussing 100 percent would do that it's just that's not always the case and it's actually the majority of the time not the case for me with knowing that uh, a deer is using that specific spot unless i have them dialed yeah and i should have probably prefaced with that with as well like if it's the rut i'm gonna ride it out like it's because you know, I mean, once yeah. <laughs> once Halloween or November first hits, it's like a new season. You know what I mean? So, but that early part of October, if I'm and I'm I'm hunting high deer density areas, like I really am. I mean, if I go in a sit and and don't see six to eight deer, then that's kind of kind of a bad night, to be honest with you. Um, but it's you know, if it's just one of those early October deals where it's like, hey man, I'm hunting this pinch or I'm hunting this this you know, scrape right here, you know, earlier, kind of that second part of October as well. Cause I like getting into scrapes, you know, that second, third week of October, I really think those can be deadly, um, for sure. And if I'm hunting that area, like I want to make sure that I'm, 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 you know, cross my T's and dot my I's. Oh my gosh. So that it's, I'm glad you said that about the, you got me excited when you're talking about middle of October scrapes, because I've never up until this point, I've, I've rarely had a chance to hunt that time of year. Um, just due to my, what my work schedule has always been. And, and, but I've always seen like from the 13th to like the 18th of October, some of my biggest deer move in daylight when you get a cold front that, that, yeah. you know, meshes with that essentially. And I love, I love hunting the, the scrapes that time of year and, and moving on it, but it is a little bit different as far as I'm a little bit more cautious with it. Cause they're not, they're not full 
dumb zombie rut mode, you know, at that point. <laughs> yeah. So no, it, I agree. Yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely changes, changes things up um, a little bit there. Well, and, and what pisses me off is like the, you know, for the last like three or four years, that same basically time frame, you know, 13th through the 18th or 19th, 20th, somewhere in there, it's like I'll get a I'll get a shooter buck roll through at one thirty in the afternoon and, and like check a scrape and it's like what the hell are you doing like you know it's just like a head scratcher like like is that deer just not killable like I'm not gonna be <laughs> sitting midday unless you know unless you got a pretty good bead on him but it's like that'll happen and then it's like you never see him again or something or it might be he might show back up in the rut and it's like what the hell like. And I don't know if it that deer is just kind of like out wandering, like maybe he's just, you know, starting to feel a little better than the other bucks at this point, and he's just trying to get a jump start. I have no clue, man. But I'll get that. I'll get just about every year. I'll get one that shows up, and cell cam comes through, and it's like uh, you're not supposed to be there right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I I, I, I totally agree. But I I think that's a very overlooked time of year. Like, and and it, I just. It, for me, it's very weather front focused though. Like it's sure it, um, the, in the, in the big woods. And again, this is just more my experience is mostly out. Like it, it's a, it's a tough time of year to hunt unless you have that weather front that, that pulls in because covers changing, leaves are falling. So their bedding shifting and kind of, you know, consolidating the smaller areas because they can't just bed everywhere, which eventually is going to help. But at that point, it's, it can be frustrating of figuring out where they're moving at that time. And then, you know, food sources at that point, a lot of, unless you have a really bumper acorn crop, they're drying up a little bit. Um, we have a lot of uh, black cherries. They're usually gone by the end of the first week, of October. Um, so a lot of things change at that point. But w- one, one thing's for sure is like a cold front and some of those big scrapes it, it can be just like mostly the ones that are on the edge of, um, just on the edge of cover, like is Mm -hmm. it, those are the ones that, that I focus on that time of year. As far as when I say focus on, I haven't specifically hunted them because I haven't been out, but my cameras have lit up in, in, in those times, which leads me to, to want to try that out this year. For sure, man. Talking about fronts. I, this is one question I had here, October fronts. What, I mean, I know the the standard, it's like, oh, everybody wants to hunt a cold front. I get that part. But like, talk to me about what are some of your favorite fronts to, to uh, hunt in October, whether it be rain, pre- you know, precipitation, cold front, even a warm front. I mean, what do you, what do you like to get into? So I like, I like the first snow, um, which in Pennsylvania, we typically get a snow in that time frame of it. Usually it's like October. Usually it seems like it's the 17th, 18th to like the 23rd, somewhere in that range. Um, I love hunting that for snow. This usually it's right when the snow is done. Um, and it's, it's not like it's going to blanket and you're going to have inches, but you know, just that light type it's almost like acts the same as rain and I treat rain similar. So I like after those, those weather fronts, um, with the, with the, 
the rain and because I, I hunt scrapes primarily and that seems to be when they come by and try to freshen them back up. And I just actually just did a, a podcast episode that hadn't come out yet um, with the guy all about weather and he, he likes the beginning of front, um, which I've seen movement, you know, like the, the day before or hours before um, some of those fronts coming in being good, but I really like the post fronts. The during um, that first snow seems to almost like scare them a little bit. I don't know if it, I don't know if that's the, if they're actually scared of it, but it just seems like there's not as much while it's happening. But as soon as it's done, it's like, it's on. I, I don't, I don't love warm fronts. I, even after days of cold weather, I don't like, um, I, I just haven't had luck with warm fronts coming after, but, uh, temperatures dropping, um, is probably, you know, temperature dropping snow and, and rain like that is, are the biggest ones for me. What, what, gotcha. what, what do you, what's your thought on it? Like, what do you enjoy? What do you like, or what's like, okay, I need to be in the woods if this happens. Yep. So mine, mine is first and foremost is a rain. I want to rain and, you know, usually with rain comes a little cooler temp. So that's kind of married with it. But like, I agree with the guy that you, you know, you, uh, interviewed there is like the front end of the cold front, like the day before I start seeing a lot, like, let's say I say cold front, a rain front. Um, let's say it's going to rain on Friday, like on Thursday, that Thursday evening, if the rain's going to start like, you know, in the evening through the Friday morning, that Thursday night, I will see good, good deer activity. Um, and then the rain, like, let's say the rain's going to last most of the day on Friday. I'll get in with the rain. I'd like to get in with it while it's still raining and set it out. Dude, I've killed more bucks after a rain. Like last year, two out of my three bucks were, were, you know, just after a rain. And I had like five encounters with shooter bucks last year with rain. Um, Hmm. it just, it's, it's crazy. And now the post cold or post front, I, I see majority of the time, this isn't every time, but majority of the time I see a hard fall off for some reason for like 24 hours. And it, it's, it's very, uh, situational dependent as well. I mean, it could fall off like the weather, you know, the cold could fall off from for 20 degrees and then it's going to sustain that. Like, let's say it goes from 60 degrees down to low forties or thirties, like, and it stays that way. I'm going to see more consistent movement, but if it kind of like starts petering back up in the temperature and everything, um, then it kind of falls off pretty hard. And then to like, to marry, like, I really like a warm front in late season. Um, I've been on some good bucks like in December and January where it could be stupid cold. I'm talking 10 degrees, 20 degrees, you know, below 30 degrees for a good sustained period. Let's say it's a week, you know, five to seven to 10 days. And I've had it where it would jump from 25 degrees to like 50 and the deer move like crazy like that day. Like the day that it happens, the day of the front, it they'll move like ridiculously crazy. Um, what are, what are they doing during that? Are they like? Are you seeing them like feeding at that point, or are you seeing them travel? Like okay, feeding. Interesting. I, yeah. I haven't hunted much yeah. late season enough to to uh, to really weigh in on that. To be honest, that's that's really interesting. 
Yeah, I really like that day of like now now the day after, let's say it 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 bumps up that day, gets real warm. It's kind of like I remember this instance. I was in Missouri and it was 2016 and it was January 14th and the week of that that week it was colder than shit dude like i had every layer on i was like there's no way i'm gonna be able to pull my bow back (laughs) i'm here i want you know i want to hunt we had we had snow but it was just a sustained cold brisk just cold you know week and this is when it really hit me like it in in a day like overnight into the morning, it started getting warmer and warmer and it got up to like 50 some degrees. And I even told myself, I'm like, they're not going to move. Like, why would they move? And I'm, you know, kind of pissing in my Cheerios kind of thing, like going to the stand. And it was like, well, let's think, like, we're here. Let's just try it. And then a good Pope and Young comes out and I'm like, wow. But I saw a lot of deer that night. Like, I'm talking 20, 25 deer that night. We were sitting on destination food. We were sitting on a green source and deer were falling through. But it was almost like, dude, it had this feeling like they were just hunkered down for so long that it was like, oh my God, I'm glad I can actually get up and stretch out now. Like we need to move. Like it was almost something like we got to move. We haven't ate. We need to move. Like my bones don't hurt now. I'm not cold. It was just it was it was an eerie feeling. But Interesting. I don't know, man. It worked. And then I've had a couple other instances where I didn't kill, but still good deer sightings and good encounters of like I'm like, man, this is this is a thing. I think, but only in late season. I haven't seen like a warm front in October, November. I mean, November. It's an anomaly. Like it just whatever happens. So, well, but October, like I haven't seen that. Well, you know, here something that I've noticed, like with the changes on like how I look at fronts throughout the year, if the, it doesn't matter for me, like when in early October when we have like extreme temperature drops, the deer are moving that day. Like it's it's good. It's typically good, mm-hmm. um, and even a little bit before. And as you move later in October, it seems like they move just after it. And then as you're in November, like, I mean, obviously the rut throws that off a little bit and you'll have some anomalies, but I've also noticed like when, so we'll get like a a first snow in in that middle to late October, and then we'll get like a second snow. It seems to always be around November 1st to 4th. And if we have one, then if it's like a lot of snow coming down, I've always taken off work that day to be able to hunt no matter what time day in the week it is i take off work take a vacation day and that's when i would hunt and i had realized that that they were moving more the next day than they were that day that it came in i don't know if they were really like, yeah and that that's something that that i picked up on and it, it's and and i was kind of like shocked by it and it, it happened over and over and over again and i i just couldn't couldn't figure it out why that was the case but that was something i've had in my notes and and i definitely pay attention to like if i have the opportunity to be out when that that cold front is right at the peak and it's snowing and everything i'm going to uh not saying it's bad but it seems to be better the next day so you're saying as the season goes on in october and november the, the after the day after the front the movement gets better for you yes correct yep really i i'm that's it's uh, the way I'm thinking is I'm like, why, what are the triggers here? Is it because they're starting to think with other body parts then? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like what is it? Does that, does that cold air or does that cold front 
as it kind of prolongs, does that trigger more does into estrus? Like, I don't know. Like, is that, you know, I, I like that's something I want to know now that you bring that up. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> you know? I'll be interested that like this year I'll have some more time to, to spend on, you know, the, the, I guess, shittier days, the pre-front, the front and after the front, and then really be able to, cause I'll actually be, you know, in the woods at all those times and be able to see and not just, you know, you know, a lot of it's from, you know, seeing it. And then a lot of it's from trail camera data, but I'm, I'm excited to sure. kind of see that wave because like, that was just like comp- different species. But like just a few weeks ago when I was elk hunting, I noticed that this elk herd, we only got two rain, two rainstorms over 21 days. And right before that rain would hit, it didn't matter what time of the day, those elk would leave their bedding and go miles down off the mountain into these uh, pastures and feed and rut. And really, yeah, it was like the one day it was one o'clock in the afternoon and they acted like it was seven o'clock at night, the way that they, they went on their, their thing. And, and again, I know elk are different than deer, but it was just interesting on how they use those, those fronts and, and, and did, and they did that. And I, that was just something that I noted, um, with it. And, and yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to, to see a little bit more with the deer, but that's, that's just something that, that I've definitely noticed, uh, with deer moving as it goes different throughout the the season. Now I said late season, I don't have as much, I don't have as much personal data to really be able to weigh in on that. Um, yeah, as far well, as like your late the warm season, front. your late season's probably a lot colder than my late season. <laughs> well, it, no, in a lot more snow. It's pro- yeah, it's probably more snow, but it's it's it sounds similar um, as far as temperatures go. Uh, I mean, it, once you get into January, you can get down in the negatives, but for the most part, it's around that you know ten to twenty degree type uh, yeah. mark there. And I just, our, the way our seasons go, like our archery season only goes in through and they just extended it now to like November 18th or 20th. It used to stop around veterans day and now it goes to then. And then we have a break and then we have a gun season for two weeks from the, you know, right after Thanksgiving for two weeks. And then there's another break and then you can't hunt again until after Christmas, um, with late season archery. So like it, it, it's broken up. So there's periods of times that I haven't yet had the opportunity to be able to hunt. And gotcha. I've had cameras out during that time, but not, not physically hunting. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. You know, and you're hunting a lot of public, right? 
Yeah, yeah, the majority public. Okay, so tell me this, like, when you get out there, and I don't know if PA is anything like Michigan with the Orange Army and everything when gun season <laughs> comes in, but, like, what, to, what do you see as far as, like, <laughs> all that? Now, I know the rut is is just a beast of its own. Like, it, literally anything could happen. I get that. But what are some tactics that you've seen that work more often than not you know, once every Tom, Dick, and Harry gets in the timber and they're pushing deer everywhere, like, what are some things that really have worked for you in that time frame so you're not beating your head against the wall? So, first thing is throw everything that you know out the window. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> no, but I, so that's that would have been my response a few years ago. Um, yeah. But what, I've... I had spent some time with the gun in my hand in 2020 that I didn't fill my tag until gun season. So I spent some time there. And then also I've risked leaving my trail cameras up all through gun season just so I could learn more and, you know, at the risk of being stolen. But I've learned that there's pockets that those deer will hold up in. And it's usually like these nasty, like side hill thickets and, and old clear cuts and stuff that, that people aren't necessarily in or even just walking by. Sometimes they're close to where people are, but they just like hunker down. And I've found that if you can find some of those honey holes, um, that you can, you can still do well, but it's not, it's not your normal, like finding a travel pattern or anything. It's more so getting into almost like bow hunting type country, thick stuff and and sitting there and as they get up and move throughout the day like there was this there's a uh, i was i've been running this camera study in this area for three years and i haven't hunted it yet and i i'm like if i have a a a tag by the time gun season comes around i know right where to go because all of the bucks and even varying age classes are living in this this cut on this side hill and when i say a cut it's like a 40 year old clear cut so it's old it's grown up it's just steep and the top is like a plateau so that's where all the hunters are and it's just like this little overlooked spot and i have pictures of mature deer moving in daylight at all times of the day during gun season one of my videos really one of my videos on on my exodus camera you can hear gunshots in the background oh my gosh yeah and it's it's insane that's crazy yeah (laughs) and like and then when i when i killed which actually was my biggest deer in 2020 i was with my my buddy johnny stewart and it was one of his spots and and it was off this this point of the ridge and the same thing the hunters were all on the tops and this, this point that ran off down to the, the creek bottom there was like, it was just kind of steep and had some good cover on it. And that deer laid up in, in that, that spot. And I, I don't think he really got pressure, even though that there was, there's a ton of pressure in the area. He just found a safe spot. Like, you know, even with Pennsylvania, Michigan, like having these crazy numbers of hunters during that time of year, I think they can still find their their home spaces it just it it differs from any other time of the year and it's you know when i'm looking at when i'm looking at maps or trying to like try to predict those areas it it is it is a little bit difficult but um a lot of like the simple rules of thumbs come into play uh with usually if you can get far away from roads you don't have to deal with like large amounts of people doing deer drives um, a lot of times they like to hit the quick and easy spots. 
that they're doing that. So that, that helps, um, some steep and, and thick country will do it. And then also some overlooked spots that, that are, are along roads or walkways that just might be a small, you know, even, I don't know, like 60, 70 yard wide kind of thick blackberry brush that they can watch those trails and people go by them to hit to like a destination to be able to hunt. And I've found I got deer laid up in those types of locations too. That's crazy, man. That's yeah. that, you know, that public game, like this year is the first year I'm ever going to set foot on public with a weapon in my hand. Like I've never, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to grow up with private land and, you know, it just kind of goes with like the, like the tradition of, of Michigan and deer camp. Like we've got like a nice cabin on it and everything that we built back in 2002, I think it was, but um, my dad has hunted this property since the seventies and, um, I call it my family farm, but it's 220 acres. It's basically like hunting public land. There's 11 of us that hunt it. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, bow season, there's not really 11 guys gun season there is, but for gun season for us, it's like, you know, we've got our set spots and you know, it's more of the nostalgia now. Like, honestly, I really don't gun hunt much anymore just because, man, I'm not going to lie to you. It just doesn't like to go out in the morning and hear that first shot and, you know, maybe the 30 pointer might come by like that nostalgia to me is kind of worn off in a way. It's more of like the camp camaraderie, the night before camp playing Euchre around the table, drinking a couple beers, you know, telling stories, bullshitting, you know, seeing, I mean, our deer camp, there'll be 40 guys come up to our deer camp before opening day, you know, to play cards or, you know, show off their rack from bow season or something like that. Like that's what I really enjoy. You know what I mean? Um, so that's just kind of my gun season in a nutshell. Well, no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. And, that, and that's the way I've looked at gun season. Like we have a, a very strong camp tradition too. And, and everybody comes to our camp the, the weekend before. And well, now gun season opens on Saturday. So it's a little different. It's just kind of one night before, but like everyone comes through. I'd, I'd rather have my tag filled and be able to enjoy camp at that point. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's kind of my outlook on it. But what I've also found too is like I've just had to change my my strategy and a lot of like so what I do is like the first couple of days of gun season I don't move like I find a spot and I sit there because I don't want to bump deer to anybody else. But then after that it, it does slow down a little bit with people and then I'll just find these spots and I'll create like a route on the map and I'll just go and like peek over ridges and just kind of still hunt and sneak. And that's fun in its own. Like it's, it's just different. I've, I've found that I've enjoyed starting to do that or going to areas that I just want to scout, you know, like I want to scout and yeah. hunt at the same time. And, you know, then, then I don't feel as bad if I kick, kick one of the deer I'm hunting up to <laughs> uh, somebody else. And, and, but you know, opening day, it's like, it's hundred percent when I'm, when I'm sitting there and I'm hearing boom, 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 I'm like, there's every single deer I've ever hunted, wanted to hunt. Every one of my trail cameras. Every deer is on dead. camera you had. Every every single deer is dead. That's that's exactly what I think. And then I'm like, and 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 not nothing against anybody else that's that's out there. But some of the times I I see some of these deer, these people are killing. I'm like, 
I'm just overthinking it. Like, what the heck? Like, you know, I I'm, know, I'm talk to him, be like, oh, I just, you know, found this tree and just sat there. And no, oh, he just came walking in. I'm like, man, I said, me and my dad joke about it. We're like, yeah, just throw everything out the window and uh, just find uh, a spot in the middle of all these people and just sit your ass down and wait and wait for them to get up to go to lunch and kick everything up. <laughs> it's so true, dude. You know how many times I get pissed off because I'm like, on how much time and effort I put in each year, you know, not just during season, but you know, it's yeah. it's a it's a year round game, like, and then you know, I'll just say my dad because my dad he he's killed some really good Michigan deer, but he'll go out opening day, he'll just wander out, you know, with his coffee mug and get in the blind, and you know, and he just he'll shoot a good buck on opening day, and I'm like, what the hell, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it just pisses you off, like whatever happened to those you know good things will come to those who you know wait yes but actually work their ass off like yeah <laughs> you know? oh my gosh oh, yeah and, and and you you made a good comment too and and i've mentioned this before on, on my podcast is like uh the whole like idea that you know public land is always more pressured than private land and i don't agree with that at all um i think in some situations yes but for the majority of of people it's sometimes it's worse like some of the areas that i have access to are large chunks of private land that's not they're not farms per se but they're they allow atvs they allow other you know other and it's i don't even hunt them because it's more there's more people on it than i find in some of the public areas and you know and then during bow season I don't run into very many people. Like I very rarely do I run into people while I'm hunting. Um, there, there'll be some years like during the COVID year, 2020 was like crazy. I did run into a lot of people that year, but other than that, like I don't run into too many people during bow season on public ground. And, and, and I don't know. It's just, I, I think there's like a, sometimes there's a, a wrong, uh, thought process of people, Oh, you know, you hunt private, that must be easy, you know, that, that sort of deal. I don't agree with that at all. And, and as someone that's hunted both and, and seen what that was like. And even when there was a point when I was in Ohio, when I hunted in Ohio and I had leased a small 50 acre piece and that was harder to hunt than like, than, than being able to have open woods. I felt like I was just like encapsulated by it. And then everyone's baiting on the other properties. And I go in there, you know, <laughs> once every couple months when I drive out there and I'm like, I, I yeah, I just got to wait for the rut and one to go from one of the better pieces to, <laughs> through mine, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. and that's when I was yep. just like, I like, I like having access to, uh, a lot of land to, to be able to roam on. Cause I feel like you can always follow them at that point. For sure. I don't disagree at all with that. Um, next, I really, I want to get into a couple questions here. I know we're around an hour, but I, I got a couple more if you're good with still going a yeah. little bit here. Yeah, I'm good, man. Cool. Let's talk about hunting. I want to reel it back into October. Let's let's focus on that October time frame again and uh, talk about the the. <laughs> I feel like this is a question that gets beat to tar right now. But uh, hunting October mornings. Are you into it or are you out of it? <laughs> I'm I'm all in on it. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm all in on it. Uh, that's it's just it's different where I'm at. Like it, I, I just. I, I keep saying that, but it is like, it's, 
there's rarely like a destination food source. Like I don't have any ag fields around where I'm at at all. Like not even on the borders of the the public. Um, it's just unbroken timber. So you can still have, like, you're not necessarily worried about them coming back to, to bed, um, ahead of time, which can happen, but the, the risk of, of spooking them that way is, is not as high. I'll put it that way. And also, you know, those cold mornings I feel like are just, are good. Like you find a scrape close to the, where the, where you think a buck is bedding or some cover where bucks are bedding. That's, that's right on. I mean, I, I killed my buck last year, October 3rd, I think it was opening day in the morning. Um, and you know, that day got up in the seventies, but that morning it was in the forties, which was super cold for that, you know, that time of year and what it was, you know, before that. And it was, and, and that deer was an hour and a half after daylight came through. So I, I, I'm a, I'm a big morning guy. What's your thoughts? Okay. Yep. You know, mine's again, very situational and probably like yours as well. Like, but here in Michigan, my farms that I hunt here in Michigan, uh, I've got a lot of ag on both like that I'm around. So, um, actually my family farm, the one I was talking to about, like our main entry to the farm is through our hayfield. So it's like absolutely terrible for, I mean, you, you swing your headlights in there in the morning yeah. and it's like, you'll see a hundred eyes and it's like, okay, you know, now we can stay at the cabin. You know, I, I will do that. But if it's a cold front in October, anytime I'm hunting in the morning, like I will get in, I'll, I'll try to figure out a way I'll do whatever I have to, if I got to walk in a different way or stay at the cabin, um, I will do that in, in, if I'm out of state or on a trip somewhere, um, definitely going to be hunting mornings just to, and it might be an observation, like it might even be glassing, you know, I glass a lot. Like I still kind of consider that I'm getting up early trying to, you know, see deer coming off the fields. I love doing that. Um, but like in a big wood setting, like, like you have like, yeah, I mean, when there's not any particular food source where, you know, you're, they're coming from or going back to bed, like I'm definitely going to be hunting mornings as well. But when it gets a little colder and those cold fronts are deadly, like October 10th of 2018, I walked through a standing bean field to a field edge stand, uh, in an inside corner. And I, it was a cold front. It was the, it was the morning of the cold. I mean, the cold front hit the night before and it was coming into that next morning. I walked out there and about an hour and a half after daylight, I had a four-year-old walk to 32 yards and I shot him. And I hit him bad, didn't end up getting him and he, he lived. Um, but still it was just one of those things that was like, huh, you know, you can do it. You you can, you can walk through an ag field and, <laughs> you know, and make it happen maybe, but yeah. it was a cold front. And I, so I don't know, So, and but I, I am pro per situation. I am pro hunting October mornings though. Yeah. And, and, and there, the other thing is like when you're talking about the front, so like one of the things that I've done a lot in like in early to mid October, if it's not a cold morning, I'd rather go check cameras and scout sure. than than sit in a tree on a low low odd sit. Like uh, many of the areas I have don't even have mass crops other than um black cherries. Like I said, sometimes they're gone at the end of September, first week of October, so they're gone and and so there's not, and there's not oak trees in some of those locations. So when I'm in that, like hunting, those are very low, 
you, you know, you can, there's, there's some clear cuts and things that offer a lot of food, but they also bed in the same locations. And at that point, I'm like, I'd rather go, um, get Intel than, than sit in a tree. And, mm-hmm. and, and my family's big on that. Like a lot of my family doesn't, they don't hunt unless it's a cold front and, and in early October at all. And they just, they're, they're preparing for as things get better. Um, from yep. that, it's, I totally it's, get it's, that. it's very, very difficult to hunt, uh, around here in the early season. Like I said, I've, I, I have just not focused on it much or, or put the time into it because it's been, it is, it is very difficult unless you have something like a, you know, a white oak dropping or, or something. But like a lot of the, the areas that I'm in, they just don't have those. So, um, yep. and that's, and then like other food sources early in the season, like apple trees and can't really hunt apple trees in the mornings because they're potentially in the apple trees. <laughs> so, yep. uh, that, that, that's, uh, so that that's more of like an evening type spot. So like, I, I still say I'd hunt more evenings in the early season, but I, I definitely don't write off October mornings and, and, and try to, uh, and try to do it when the conditions are right. Yep. No, I, I couldn't agree more, man. Um, next one I got for you is, uh, hunting the same spot or moving more often. Like what, what are you into in, in the specific like October timeframes? Hunting the same spot. So I, this, uh, I'll give you reasons for this. So I, in earlier on, I'd say like 10 years ago or so in my, in my hunting career, I was, I was successful sitting in the same spot more so than moving. And then I kind of got into the trend of like, oh, you know, mobile hunting and that like, and, and the thing is like, there's a difference between mobile hunting and moving all the time. There's, there's, there's a difference there, but, and I was like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd watch some of these guys that were in different areas of the country than me talk about uh, you know, not sitting in the same tree twice, but, and and like just bouncing around hot sign, hot sign. Well, when you, when you're in an area that's big woods and there's low deer density, those deer, yeah, might be hot sign, but that deer might not come through there, but once every three, four, five, six, seven days. And you can hunt that same spot over and over again without blowing everything out as long as you pay attention to access because there's not that many deer. So like you're not, you're not constantly, um, you know, blowing up the area by any means. And I, I think that's where access is important, but I've found that if I, if I can sit in the same spot and trust, uh, trust the sign and trust what I'm hunting, uh, it's not picking a random spot and going hunt it for day on, you know, day in, day out. But if the, the sign is there or if I have past history with it, uh, you know, I'll spend three, four days in the same, same location. And that, that even, that goes to almost double during the rut. Um, at that time okay. frame, I'll sit longer, um, in the, the same location, sometimes up to six days in the, in the same location which is super difficult when you when you scout like as much as i do or anybody else that's listening to this that's really into it and you have all these other locations that you think are going to be better it's really hard mental game to stay in the same location but you you mean every time i look at my cameras and go through my intel from the the years past like it shows me that if i just sit there it's going to happen and Mm -hmm. and that's 
that's something that, uh, for me personally, I I've found that I'd rather sit in a spot than move if the signs. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. Like I, I, I'm with you on it and I'm going to explain why, because I grew up in a bait state, like Michigan, it was always a bait state. It's how I learned how to hunt. Like my dad and I would, he'd go set up a tree stand for him. We'd bait it and I'd have a tree stand for me and we'd bait it. And those were our stands. And then every once in a while to see different trees, he'd be like, Hey, why don't you go sit my stand? I'll sit your stand kind of thing. Like that's literally how I grew up through high school. Like it wasn't to when I got in college that I really was like, you know, I just start getting more stands out in like different locations and trying different things. And, you know, and, and I haven't really, I mean, the last five years, I I would say I'd, I'd be quote unquote, like more of a mobile hunter. And now I'm strictly like 100, like last year and this year, I'm strictly 100% like, you know, put stand up, take it down, move, you know, stuff like that. But like, I love hunting an area over and over. Like you said, if you have that good access and good, good exit, um, because I've got a scenario right now and there's a buck coming through a particular area, like in September, obviously the, the, the patterns are, you know, bed to food, but I've got him hitting a scrape like, you know, four or five days in a row and then he'll go cold for four or five days. But when I go back and look, he's hitting on a specific wind and he won't, he won't on another wind and he's really taking it over, but he's, he's showing a really big chink in his armor right now. And so he hasn't shown up in the last like six days and I'm like, okay, so I'm waiting for that wind. Well, I'm not going to get that wind for a little while, but I have an opportunity to be able to get into the area at a distance and, and not blow anything. Like I can almost kind of backdoor it and not hurt anything. I know I can't, it is so bulletproof, um, just to kind of monitor. But where I'm at with it is like the wind is perfect for me for this situation, but he is not coming through on that wind. So a lot of people probably listen to this are like, and you're, you're included might think I'm a dumbass, but I know I can get in and get out without spooking these deer. And I'm under the impression, because this is how my head works is like, well, what if he's just on a rotation of like, you know, maybe he only hits it for a couple days and then he does a, he does a rotation, you know, he does maybe a loop and then he's going to hit it for another couple days. Like I want to be there when he hits it. I think in my head that he's only hitting on a particular win, but really is he thinking that? I fuck, I don't know. Like, I'm not that privy with whitetails, but it's like I want to be there if he's going to, you know, on if he's on like a rotation. I is that stupid to think, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I I, I I like I like that that mentality with it because there are so many variables and we think a deer is doing something a certain way and we can use those patterns to our advantage, you know, to, to be able to make a calculated move. But at the same time, the deer aren't thinking like we're thinking, they're probably not even thinking that hard about it. And no, and uh, you know, not, not at all. And I, and so like, if you can get in and get out and you're not doing any damage, why wouldn't you like that's That's my thought process on it and and you have the ability to be able to do so heck yeah like put 
put your odds in, in, in your favor to, to have that chance of him being able to, to do that. And it also depends on like how much data you have on that. You know, if it's, you know, on, on a one week span that he happened to hit it three days in a row on a Southwest wind, well, maybe that's part of his rotation. And maybe, you know, uh, seven days right. later, he's going to come back and do that on Northeast wind. I don't know. And, that's where I'm at with and, it. And it's like, it, it, yeah. And that, that, so that to me is like, I just think that, that, yeah, don't, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you on that. Yeah. So in my whole thing is, is like, we're supposed to be getting a East Northeast win on opening night. And I'm like, but it switches, you know, it might be Southeast. And if it's Southeast, then it's going to be iffy. Like I need a straight East and even better Northeast would be perfect. And I'm like, okay, I can get in and I can get out. But the reason why I'm thinking this is back in 2015, I shot a buck on opening night, October 1st night. And dude, this deer on a Northeast wind did exactly what this deer is doing, but he was kind of on a rotation like he was like I had very sporadic camera intel on him at that point and I'm like well it's literally I went in there because I knew it was a safe play like it was it was a prototypical like safe play but it could happen here you know what I mean yep and I'm just kind of dipping my toe into the molasses or whatever just dipping it in there see what I can get and then I'm going to ease out just kind of play with it and the damn thing showed up and you know, he showed up like an hour and 45 minutes before dark. No, it wasn't that long. Sorry, I just lied to you. It was like an hour before dark. And I'm like, holy shit, he showed up out of nowhere, showed up with the wind to his back. With the wind to his back the whole way, he did not have the wind at all. And I killed this deer at 18 yards. And I'm like, and I've got the carbon copy situation right now coming out of his bedding, wind would be at his back, and they're unpressured deer right now. So I'm like, I feel like I have to try it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, that's... So I, that's my play, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I I like it. And I, I've talked to um about the wind at their back. I talked... I, I hadn't really talked to anybody up until this point that was like very adamant on that, Um, th- depending on the situation. And Mike Perry, who I talked to um, on the podcast has seen that a lot and he's told some stories about it. And I, and I think that, and again, I think that we as hunters overthink that. And if the deer feels safe for whatever reason, whether it's lack of pressure, whether it's they have good visual or they have cover or whatever it is, they're going to do whatever makes them feel safe. It doesn't matter what, sure. you know, that, you know, they're not sitting there on weather underground in the morning and be like, eh, shit, Southwest wind. I can't, I'm going to have to hook around this way today to go right. into the, <laughs> the, the bed, you know? And I'm sure there's times when the deer are moving and they're like, well, well, uh, I'm just going to chance it today. I haven't had, I haven't had any <laughs> yeah. issues with this in the past, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if he's been, if he's been, uh, if he's caught you in the tree twice doing it, then uh, that might be a different, different spot. But <laughs> that's, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like I, when it looks, when I look at October's too, like it's always been for me, like what opportunities do I have to hunt? And sometimes I will push that envelope a little bit to, sure. to, to be able yep. to, to hunt. And, um, you know, if I, if I have those chances, uh, versus, um, 
versus being I'm not going to sit at home. You know, maybe I'll pick a different tree right. or do something. But like I, I, I'm going to find a way to be out if I can. And that's that's just I don't know. That's I I, I was actually just talking about that. And I keep referencing other podcast episodes, but that's when I've had these conversations. And Greg Litzinger was talking about that, and and uh, you know when just talking about not overthinking it with October and how things are going to change, you know, once Halloween hits, like you mentioned earlier in the, yeah. earlier in the podcast here, like it, it, I don't know, man, deer are just, they're incredible animals. They make our head spin like crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like it. And, and I say this now as if I'm like super confident with it, but yeah, I still struggle with it myself is just like, being able to to take the information that's in front of you, what you know, what you think you know, and putting together a plan and going with it versus going through too many what ifs. Yep. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So man. when I text it, so when I text you uh, October twenty eighth and I'm panicking because I I'm sitting at a spot <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning in my truck and I'm not sure whether I need to go left or right, then you need to tell me. I just need to settle down and go with what what my gut tells it. Exactly, and that's what <laughs> that's what good hunting buddies are for. Because yeah. I have a buddy that I do the same thing. Like I talked about, and I actually recorded a podcast earlier today, and I feel like I'm on that podcast again because we talked about like. <clears throat> you know, having that buddy or group of friends, like I, mine's kind of a tight knit group, but like, it's just that one dude I turn to and it's like, Hey man, like I'm in a tizzy right now, like ground me kind of thing. And he, he knows to not tell me what I want to hear, but explains it really well to be like, no, the, he plays devil ad, advocate really well. And like, you know, let's think of this whole process. And I find myself doing it to him or other people too. And I'm like, man, why don't I just take my own, inv- oh my you know, my gosh. own advice, you know? How, yeah. Like the, that was the same thing last year. My dad was, was hunting like just a, an incredible deer in Pennsylvania. And, and, and we, and, you know, he was, and my dad's you know, the best hunter that I know. And I, I look up to him and, and he, he was like struggling. He was hunting, you know, close to 20 days for this deer at this point and had some encounters and he's like you know he's getting down to last it was literally down like the last day that he had to hunt and then he was was leaving to go out to montana visit my brother and he's like he's like i'm just shooting whatever comes by at this point you know and i'm like talking to him i'm like no like like (laughs) you there's a really good chance the conditions are right you've had encounters with him he was in there with the doe a couple days beforehand like you know and i'm talking to him like you know and if I were in that situation, I'd be doing the same thing as him. And, you know, yep. then, and then he had, he got the encounter that day on day 21 of, of going after him and he, and he shot it. And then he, he's texting me. He's like, I'm not sure about the shot. He did this. Well, maybe he, maybe, <laughs> maybe he, maybe he wasn't kicking his back legs. Like he was double lung. Maybe he was just hopping over a log. I'm like, no dad. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm talking to him. Like he's talking to me. Like, I'm like, all right, no, like look at the situation. What is it yeah. telling you? And just, you know, chill out and let it, let it play out and it's it's so hard when you're in that situation but when you're on the outside but again that's why you have good buddies to to be able to to talk to you about it because sometimes you do need that that outside help and you need somebody that's not going to just agree with you that's a bad thing exactly you need somebody that's going to tell you exactly what the hell is going on and tell you uh yeah you're you're either being super dumb about it and you're you're not thinking clearly um and you need to get your shit together and 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 get on the right path or (laughs) you know you can't have somebody be like oh yeah maybe you're right you know it's okay 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and if and if anybody listening to this podcast doesn't take anything out of this podcast, this hour and a half we've been talking, take this out of there. Be a good hunting buddy. And I'm I'm being a hundred percent serious with this because I treat these Bo, if you were to come with come to me and ask me a situation, I treat these the way that I would want to get the information. Like don't make it all posies and roses. Like I want to know, like if I gut shot this deer, like that's the big one. It's like shot placement. Where'd you hit it? Well, let's start thumbing through all these, you know, you go through your whole phone book of like asking everybody, everybody does it. It's like, don't just tell me what I want to hear. Give me the experience you've had. Have you had deflection? Well, I did have deflection this one time. This is what happened, you know, or whatever, like shoot them straight. And it might be a tough pill to swallow every once in a while, but that's the reality. Like you need that to stay grounded and it's, it's going to make you learn, you know, and be better in my opinion. Yep. Nope. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. It'll save you a lot of, uh, time headaches, all that stuff. Someone shoots straight and, and, and I try to be that for, for everybody that, that I'm around or, or talking to, you know, there's, there's a way of, uh, and there's also a way of disagreeing with somebody without being an ass too. So make sure yeah, you, 100%. you do that, you know, it's not like, yep. you know, if you were to be like, Oh yeah, I hit this deer, you know, I hit him a little back. Do you think I caught liver? Do you think that's guts? Instead of being like, you dumbass, like that's, that's straight gut. First of all, practice more. Um, no, <laughs> it's like, you know, don't go to the tree drunk. Ex- yeah. There's a way of explaining it a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree, man. So basically everybody, what Bo is saying, hit him up in the DMS this fall, whenever you need, uh, you know, some words of wisdom or where, you know, some guidance hit Bo Martonic up at East meets West and he'll, he'll help you out. Well, now, now what's going to happen is on any of my YouTube videos or anything I say on a podcast, people are going to comment and tell me what I did wrong. And I'm going to be like, well, I really screwed myself here. Yeah. Well, I'll probably get the same thing. (laughs) Oh man. Well, Bo, I want to wrap this up here. Dude, I I could talk for two more hours, but I know you're running low on card space and I, (laughs) I I hit a lot of the things I want to hit on and uh, dude, this was good. I appreciate you doing this, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. I I really enjoyed this conversation. I think, uh, like like you said, if anybody takes anything from it through all the BS that I had on here, listen to this last part and and repeat it. That's that's what I'll say. But yep. no, thank you so much for having for sure. me on. I I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.